0: Welcome to more than a crush a podcast about love. Each week we pick a theme and share a story about one of the many facets of love. We are your hosts. I'm Marion Bolognese, an artist and designer recording from New York. And I'm Kim Barry, a therapist broadcasting from New Jersey. Hi. Hi.
1: Psst. Psst, Kim. Are you there? I am. Are you here? Yes, I can hear you. So, can you, my dear friend, present our theme for the night?
0: Marion. For the day, for the morning. Marion, there's nothing I'd I'd want to do more than present to you and to all of our listeners today's theme. Today's, tonight's, this morning's, later this afternoon. Today's episode is called Reality Bites. Bleh. Sucks. But it doesn't. That's what we came up with, so you're going to go with it. Think of Reality Bites, but like all the good pieces, like reality TV. Bon bond Bites. Or maybe Reality Bites, like with a Y. I don't know what that means. B-Y-T-E-S? Like, right? That's like a tech thing? Oh, Bites,
1: yeah. Mm. Puns? Puns! Funny. Are you
0: there for it?
1: Funny. Funny. <laughs> Funny lady.
0: <laughs> oh <Uh-oh. laughs> Uh-huh. we've hit that wow. part of the, of the podcast <laughs> so what's going on with you hmm? yeah you know i i recently purchased uh, commissioned in fact uh some new masks oh nice yeah they're awesome um they're by gina uh, needed love on instagram who also made our first batch of them honestly i've tried the rest and hers are the best. They fit my face the best. They don't hurt the back of my ears. They're not visually offensive as far as I'm concerned. And it's just lovely to have a mask that actually fits your face. You don't have to, you know, like touch it because it kind of defeats the purpose. Oh, send me their
1: info because I would love to commission a mask as well. Today I was like in need of a new mask and I was in a gas station wearing a mask. But I was thinking I should, I should just get another mask. And they had children's masks, and was six to twelve years old. And I was like, I stopped growing when I was six. When I was
0: twelve, <laughs> I was I was 12. I'm a child size so person. <laughs> my
1: logic was that it would probably fit me in the car. I took it out because because the Haynes masks that Eric got are way too big. Like they don't they don't fit me at all. So I was like, child size probably would fit me. It was like it literally just only covered my mouth. I think it would fit the girls. It was a joke. It was hysterical. Eric was like, "What are you doing?
0: What is that?
1: How that mask is supposed to go? Is that just like a mouth covering?" It, mask?
0: it looked lewd.
1: Yeah, it was totally ridiculous.
0: Gina's mask was almost are as ridiculous as all you people
1: out there wearing masks below your nose.
0: Uh, not effective, people. Not effective. <laughs> Got to wear them all the way. Above the nose, yeah. down to the chin. Uh, hers come in different sizes, which is really great. And it turns out I'm a size medium. The little one in my house is a size small. And the big one in the house, the full-size grown man, is a is a large. Um, <laughs> so that's, you know, we're like three little bears. <laughs> did you see the illustration? Sorry, did you see the illustration?
1: <laughs> um, like <laughs> the man's penis coming out of his <laughs> underwear.
0: Oh, like, to to demonstrate how you're not, how, when you don't wear the mask correctly, when it's, like, under your nose, and, yeah, the underwear <laughs> yeah. with, like, his dick and balls hanging out. I love yeah.
1: it. <laughs> oh, I love that, too. Loved it.
0: That was a good one. You want to, you want to tell the people why today we're talking about reality TV?
1: Well, yeah, because we're really enjoying our What's Love Got To Do With It segment, You know, we just recently started. We've had so far, we've aired two of our lovely interviews and we've done a couple others on the side, you know, side piece, side piece interviews. Feeding you (laughs) small morsels rather than, you know, the full cake all at once. And uh, we had a lovely interview with David from Behind the Velvet Rope.
0: Yeah. We'll we'll tell you a little bit more about David in a moment before we intro. His interview that was great uh, you know what I think this probably sounds kind of like trite but the part that I like about our interviews is that I'm having we, we are having these like great individual conversations with people we would not be talking about or talking with otherwise and so it's kind of this nice like hey let me into your world for a minute tell me about yes. you what do you do It's super interesting yeah
2: and, and because the- it's
0: all about love, it's like, come, come tell me some good stuff. You know, it's not like, I think everyone is a little starved for like sharing what's going on in their world these days because of quarantine and there's just a lot of strife. So to have this focused, quick conversation about like, tell me about you, tell me how you're doing. Tell me like about your life. Give me a little snippet into it and then tell me some love related things. Yes. That's Awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean for sure. It was hysterical for me because I don't really do anything reality TV. <laughs> you know, I any some of the stuff, but I, I mean I very rarely, very rarely watch it. What was the name of the reality show that David was talking about that I was like, Oh,
0: I love that so much. Dating want to know? around, which I wound up watching. So now yeah. I'm on now I'm on the same page so. as you both. I ebb and flow around reality television. I don't watch a lot of it now, and even when I was watching it, I had very specific. Honestly, you know, the first real reality show I feel like I watched Survivor. Mm. Do you remember that? I mean, that's not love. That's not like I feel like now it's a lot more relationship based. Of like just the. stuff. Oh, I mean,
1: like there's all sorts of different kinds of of shows. They're not all relationship based. I don't know. Big brother, um, yeah. That kind I, I never watched Survivor. I mean, I watched the Real World.
0: Gosh, Real World.
1: And I did watch some of The Hills, like David was saying. Mm-hmm. The Hills was entertaining. I mean, come on, let's face it; It was entertaining. It always seemed completely scripted to me, though. It didn't really feel like it was a reality show at all. I thought it was definitely very scripted. Didn't matter to me, to be honest with you. And he was talking about the Simple Life, which was, uh, oh,
0: which was, was Paris
1: Hilton and and uh,
0: Nicole Richie.
1: Nicole Richie, yeah, and. And I, I think I saw a couple episodes of it, but I did think it was funny.
0: I would love to watch it just to kind of have a time capsule back to the early
1: 2000s. Dating around, I thought was spectacular, really beautifully done. As I was saying, I'm glad that we were, in fact, talking about the same thing. because There was a moment where, yeah, the editing is great. It's beautifully done. It was just nice. It felt different. I don't know. It felt more wholesome in some mm-hmm. way to me than a lot of reality stuff. Ugh, not wholesome, but... A little like bit more
0: genuine and down to earth. Ge-
1: more genuine, more down to earth, not trying to like dig up dirt, you know? Mm-hmm. And what am I talking about? I do watch a reality show. I, I, as I'm saying this, I'm like, well, maybe it turns out I do watch a lot, but I, I feel like there is so much out there and I don't watch any of the Bravo stuff. I didn't know any of the people that he was talking about. And I was like, I'm going to have to look this up afterwards. But I watched Naked and Afraid, which <laughs> is a reality <laughs> show. <laughs>
0: You know what I think is funny is um, sometimes my clients will just like in their they will talk about things in their as they do in their personal life. But sometimes they'll ask things like, do you watch this show or do you watch that show? And perhaps it's because they're just curious. And sometimes it's just because I think maybe they want to reference it. But I had a client who would bring up a lot of reality television. And it was a very unlikely individual. Like it's not somebody I would think would watch a lot of reality television. So I was like, now I'm really intrigued. Like now I have to watch some of these. And so I did watch a little bit of below deck, which um, is kind of like yacht life stuff happening, Uh which is kind of like, I've heard about that. It's Um, pretty dramatic, dramatic, very dramatic. Yeah. Which I mean, I think it, it just seems like the recipe for drama. You are jamming a bunch of people, uh, working on a boat in close quarters. And then it seems like the people who rent the yacht are people who want to pretend like they can like live this yacht life when in reality, all they can do is afford to rent it for like a week or two. <laughs> so, yeah, and they are just truly entitled individuals. So they're real special themselves. Uh, so that was, that was worth the, I mean, I, I didn't get really I didn't do a deep dive. I didn't watch a lot of it, but the episodes I did watch were pretty good. I'm actually surprised that I'm not more into celebrity TV for how much I was into celebrity gossip in the 2000s.
1: I mean, I don't know if you can call it celebrity TV. I think you mean reality TV. Celebrity TV. I mean, no, you're right.
0: You're right. Did I call it that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did call it that. I mean, cause I think it, you know what? Uh, we, celebrity. Well, Kardashians. Do, be- do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, like they, I mean,
1: Kardashians are super celebrities, but I mean, I don't—not everybody necessarily is. I don't think the people, some of the people on Naked and Afraid are. I don't know. I'm gonna just keep on returning this to Naked and Afraid. Naked and Afraid, Naked and Afraid XL, amazing. But we have one that we do both watch, <laughs> Instant Hotel. I love Instant yes. Hotel.
0: Oh gosh, and the second season. It was just released recently, I think, on, on Netflix. So I watched it. It's only, no, you watch it, it wasn't, it's only... it wasn't recently re- released. Oh, well, <laughs> it, was released it recently showed up in my carousel okay. <laughs> on Netflix. <laughs> They're like, they released that shit in 2018. <laughs> because
1: I just got so excited and I was like,
0: oh, sweet. I love a big
1: deck. In the I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kim, I wanted to um, read to you for a minute before we start mm, today. Bedtime I know stories. I was going through some stuff that I had lying around on the table. I had these old boxes of Playboy magazines that were my step-grandfather's from the 60s. This one is from 1964. September. September 1964. Look at
0: that. Topical. Topical.
1: Yeah. So interesting. September 1964. And there is a section called The Playboy Advisor. And I thought some of this stuff was interesting. I bet it is. Some interesting questions like, is it proper to remove a girl's fashion wig before making love to her? Signed, S.L. from Baltimore, Maryland. What do you think?
0: No. No. (laughs) First off, I think you're not supposed to acknowledge that perhaps that's not her real hair. Well, this
1: was a different time.
0: I know, the Fashion wigs were, well, were like... But I'm just thinking like in this day and age, if I have a fall or a weave or anything in my hair, clip-on hair, I bump it. Bump it. <laughs> yeah, bump it up. You know what? Let's take some advice from Yeah, I was going to say, why from, don't we hear what they
1: say? Well, um, when making love on relatively formal black tie occasions, <laughs> leave your partner wigged. Okay, just so you know. I mean, I didn't know that there was certain circumstances where it was okay and certain circumstances where it wasn't. And I mean, is that during the black tie occasion? Through making love during the black you tie You ran occasion? off to the
0: coat closet?
1: Yeah. On informal dates, country weekends, and any time before five, untrusting is permissible if your date consents, of course. But under no circumstances should you move to remove your partner's wig if you suspect she is not wearing one or she may be bald underneath sound advice yeah
0: consent you know always always yeah i I appreciate that i feel like before five get rid of the wig no 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 you i feel like that's like after 10 like because like it's a casual affair casual affairs happen before
1: five black tag affairs happen after that's why you're allowed to wear black to a wedding if it's after 5 p.m kim Jeez.
0: I just, I think that I might be like a wig wearing afternoon delight kind of person. Classy.
1: Um, yeah. Oh, this was the one that I really liked. Okay. I drive a sports car and find full length top coats a real discomfort. Is it proper to wear a car coat with a business suit? Hmm. Can you just imagine these these problems?
0: No.
2: I can't
1: even imagine these. JC, New York, New York. The realities of modern automotive life have made the car coat acceptable apparel for business wear, provided fabric and design are neither too country nor sporty. Three-quarter length coats, perfect for sports car driving execs, are now available in a variety of urban-oriented fabrics, including worsteds, solid color wools, and even miniature (gasps) herringbones. Delightful! Who knew?
0: I actually have a car coat that's kind of what they just described. I got it this past year, actually from Naomi. It was wonderful. Well, aren't you happy that you have permission to wear it? Oh, thank goodness! In my sports car. <laughs> yes, <laughs> with my with my business attire.
1: Okay, and then lastly, and I'll finish this up and save some possibly for another time. Oh, please do. One of the girls I date is perfectly normal with one exception. She insists that we each take a hot, soapy shower immediately after intercourse. I don't particularly mind this, but it has a ritual air which I find a little eerie. Do you? K.C. from Walla Walla, Washington.
0: Hmm. Do they shower together or individually?
1: Doesn't say. Just that they each take a hot shower afterwards. Yes, but if these hygienic hijinks are the only hang-ups in an otherwise good relationship, count yourself lucky and clean. I agree. Yeah. Interesting. I'm a healthy girl who happens to have one good friend who's a homosexual guy. My parents and friends think this relationship can bring me nothing but grief, but I find this person charming and companionable. He shares interests of mine that I've never been able to get my regular boyfriends the least bit curious about, and I can talk with him for hours on end on subjects which my other friends find boring. Do you think I'm mistaken to platonically pal around with this person, R.W. from Queens, New York? As long as you're not using this friendship to shield yourself from heterosexuality, we see nothing objectionable about this association.
0: I have to say I'm rather delightfully pleased with all of their responses. I was waiting to that- pick them all apart and be like, Ex- excuse me, I think... When in reality, I'm like, no, that that's what I would say.
1: I mean, I don't know if it necessarily matters what's happening with her own like she should be able to have friends regardless, but for the time I I'm finding this to be rather on I would have expected it to be a lot more offensive. Consider I feel how like if we were to Cosmo look at it
0: is from like That's what years I was going to say. Right? Like yeah. <laughs> probably probably um, from 4 months ago. Sorry Cosmo, I just you don't have a great track record. As
1: far as I can see, they're not crediting this Delightful person from the Playboy advisor. Do remember that Playboy was like still pretty, you know, racy. So the people working for Playboy probably were a little bit more open-minded at this time period.
0: But anyway. Thank you for sharing. That was awesome.
1: Maybe I'll do it again.
0: Please, Please do. And then also, can you share with me some of those ads? Because I bet you the ads in there are fantastic. Oh
1: my God. The ads are spectacular. I mean, the ads are just. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Kim. Kim.
0: What would you like to share with us tonight? Well, I'm excited because I had prepped this for you and our listeners a, a little oh. while ago. Um, And then something else came up and seemed a little bit more relevant and topical when we were recording it. So I was like, you know what? I'll like, put this to the side and like it'll come up again. It will resurface. And did it ever. Because... You know, interviewing David and talking to him about reality TV and matchmaking. And David shares a little bit about his experience on The Millionaire Matchmaker and also just talking about all the different, what does he call them? Bravo Leberties? Bravo Leberties. Mm Mm-hmm. I love a good portman too. So that was I loved that. It was like you're gonna take those words and you're gonna smash them together. It's gonna have a brand new meaning. So anyway, we're we're talking about celebrities. We're talking about reality TV. We're talking about relationships. And I thought that maybe we could go back in time. Not, in fact, it's actually pretty close. And go back to that time frame of the was it 1964 Playboy?
1: Mm, 1964, yes.
0: So that was 1964. We're gonna we're gonna go about back then but then like skip skip back forward two more years mm-hmm. we're, we're, I'm going to take you to 1966 okay and I'm going to talk about uh, the brand new awesome blah, 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 you have to edit this out because I don't have words <laughs> <laughs> uh. the brand new game show reality TV game show the newlywed games ooh fun So the newlywed game was really interesting to me. So I was kind of excited to read up on it a little bit. And it was, it was intriguing because honestly, I don't know if I had ever really watched it, but yet I knew what it was. And so these pieces of pop culture that I know about, but I don't know about, I always find really fascinating. Like, how do I know what this is? And yet I actually don't know what I'm talking about. And as I was, doing a little bit of the research and reading some articles on this and falling down delightful YouTube rabbit holes. Let me tell you, everyone, when you're done listening to this, pull that up on your YouTube playlist because they're wonderful. The hair, the fashion, the ridiculous interactions between couples and whatnot. It's just this integral part of our pop culture. Let me tell you how it got there. It first debuted on ABC on July 11th in 1966, Newlywed Game. And it was the last U.S. commercial network series to premiere in black and white. And actually, even by the end of that year, within a couple of months, it was already colorized. The Newlywed Game was produced and created by Chuck Barris, who also created the dating game and the gong show. An interesting little tidbit about Chuck Barris. This is somebody who I had no idea who he was, but he was a really big piece of this game show he also wrote confessions of a dangerous mind did you ever see that movie sounds it, familiar it was made into a movie directed by george clooney it claims that chuck barris was an assassin for the cia
1: oh wait was um
0: sam sam rockwell yeah sam rockwell
1: yes i did i like sam rockwell i think uh, sam yeah, rockwell I'm... plays chuck barris yes he does yes
0: there's some dubious ferocity around th- those statements whether or not he actually was but he claims that he was an assassin for the CIA. So there's that. When he's not busy killing people for the CIA, he's also busy doing things like creating the dating game in 1965, The Gong Show, like I said, uh, which were huge hits. The Newlywed Game, the, the premise of it. So listeners, people, if you don't, if you're not familiar, that's a, that, which is fine. It's this game show that they pit newly married couples against each other in a series of revealing questions to determine how well the spouses do, or or maybe they don't know each other. And of note, newlywed is married less than two years. So two years or less, which is a big range as far as... Yeah, that is. Like you've been married for 18 months or you've been married for two months. I really hope you're going to win 18 month marriage. And also I think this is like back in the day when maybe a courtship was not so long before a marriage. Like I don't think they're dating for years and years and then getting married. I don't know. That's my... Presumption, anyway. Um, so the show became famous for some of the arguments that the couples had over incorrect answers. Whether it was in the form of mistaken predictions or even um, even some of it, the mishaps on the show led to divorces. So not so newlywed after that. Bob Eubanks was the host. Uh, he was really he was well known for his hair. He had a pompadour, and he was only 28 years old when the show started. He was credited with giving the show a more youthful energy. And before he was a host, he had a whole career in the music industry. And this wasn't like dappling in music. He was Dolly Parton's manager. He produced Barry Manilow, The Supremes, Elton John, Merle Haggard, worked with The Beatles for their Hollywood Bowl show. So, I mean, he had a really solid career in music, transitioned to hosting game shows. Also, another a little interesting tidbit: you have, I mean, the, the cast of characters behind the scenes—not even the contestants—they're really interesting individuals. Bob Eubanks—he's also a gold card member of the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association. Wow! How about that Renaissance man? Yippee ki yay, motherfucker! So, Bob's youthful energy paired with his like sly pressings of contestants into giving embarrassing and hilarious answers really made him just widely popular. And his catchphrase was "making whoopee," which, guys, that's a reference to sex. I don't know if you I know. I that. remember
1: that somehow. People yeah. I have
0: watched the Noli Red Game. It was borrowed from a song of the same name, and it basically, it was just let's keep the standards and practices department happy, and they they didn't want parents to have to explain because remember this is daytime TV, so potentially parents are watching with their kids. They didn't want to have to make the parents explain to their kids like what is making love. So somehow, I guess, kids weren't going to ask what is making whoopee, or they could, that was an easier thing to like lie about. They also, like the standards and practicing department, they didn't allow for, you couldn't say panties. Wow. Yeah. So they were really, I mean, this isn't mid, late 60s, but the euphemism making whoopee was so wildly popular that Bob continued to use it even into the 80s and 90s. And by then, the censors, they would have been totally fine with things like saying making love or have sex. And they probably could have even let, you know, panties were probably appropriate by then. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless it was just like that was his catchphrase so that's what they're saying there was this interview that chuck bears had with npr in 2009 and he said that the newlywed game was the easiest production he had ever developed he said all i needed was four couples eight questions and a washer dryer that was it and obviously bob eubanks was you know the way he could interact Mm -hmm. and engage was a which a huge piece there as well in 2013 tv guide ranked the newlywed game number 10 in its list of the 60 greatest game shows ever the longest running game show in abc daytime history until 1985 when guess who surpassed it chuck woolery survey says i don't know
1: tell me family
0: feud Oh, Family Feud. Oh yeah. <laughs> family Feud is great. Oh I yes, it's I I mean right now it's great. Yeah. I mean I enjoyed I remember watching it in the eighties. Actually I remember watching it with my grandmother and she loved it. Oh gosh, what was the guy's name? The uh the really old guy. He would like kiss all the women. Do you know who I I'm talking know. about? Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. it's hilarious. He would like I think kiss them all on their lips. It was That would not fly now. The Newlywed Game has has been on and off daytime and nighttime between 1966 and 1990. And Hasbro has produced three home editions of the Newlywed Game during the 1960s and 1970s. And I thought... We played
1: once. uh, My husband and I, we went to, before we were married actually, to Cove Haven Resorts. (laughs) That's the champagne.
0: Oh my gosh, I was saying the Poconos!
1: And the Poconos, yeah. I grew up watching it. those commercials. It's so ridiculous. We just wanted to see it in real life and, you know, to take a dip in the champagne hot tub or whatever. And just because it just seems like a time capsule, you know, it's kind of like just a novelty, which I'm sure is a part of, a big part of the reason why a lot of people go now. However, it is like a real destination. Like I, I know some people oh, whose yeah. parents went there for their honeymoon, you know. They were playing the, the newlywed game there. There's all these activities for couples to do, like in the bar before you know you go to enjoy your
0: the rest luxurious
1: of your rooms. Yeah, and it was hysterical. It was very funny. Oh
0: my goodness! Well, I actually have some loaded questions to share. The loaded questions are were pretty funny, and so I was watching a lot of these YouTube videos again. Cannot encourage everyone to watch them more. It was just kind of this fun little innuendo game in the sense of like how much sex talk could be gotten away with without actually, you know, getting anyone in trouble with the network standards and practices. And so they're really kind of coy yet revealing answers. And so obviously when you're playing in the, in the game, you can say, you know, it's a home game. You can say whatever you want, but on television people are really kind of embarrassed sometimes to answer more fully and then other times people would say some pretty wild answers. So those are, those are fun. I have to say the questions from the home edition, uh, unsurprisingly sexist and heteronormative. They're full of cringe. I pulled uh, two categories. The one's for the women and for the men. Okay, I ask you a few. You don't have to answer them. I just want to throw them out there for your consumption. Uh, what will your husband say you are planning to serve next for dinner? <laughs> spaghetti. <laughs> That's the big joke in my house right now. Is it spaghetti? Spaghetti. Mom, spaghetti. Mom, spaghetti. Oh, <laughs> Eminem. Where specifically will your husband say is the one place in your house or apartment that you always forget to clean? <laughs> Pickable question. This this is actually my favorite one because it is so bad. So bad. Will your husband say he'd rather you read a cookbook, a diet book, or a book to improve your vocabulary? Well, we already know that it's not going to be the last one. (laughs) Your vocabulary is amazing. That's why.
1: Oh, Thank you. My husband would never encourage me to read any of those books.
0: The funny thing is I could actually see... Us having a conversation or like, you know, and coming back from the library and being like, oh, I found this like really cool cookbook about, you know, the food from like us watching a cooking show together. And like we could make food from this, you know, dot, 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 but not in a like, your cooking sucks. You need to learn how to cook.
1: Demands were different, you know? Certainly, certainly.
0: So then the tone changes a little bit. I mean, you you can maybe notice there's a lot of like service uh, a lot of like subservient like what how are you going to cook and clean and look lovely for me uh, and i guess apparently be a good conversationalist those seem to be the characteristics that were important for apparently the men according to these Can questions you imagine
1: if your husband was like you need to improve your vocabulary like
0: some shitty." <laughs> it's very uh liza Doolittle. <laughs> yeah um so for the men the tone changes what will your wife say is the funniest thing that has happened to her in the kitchen since you've been married again she the (laughs) wife's cooking (laughs) wifey's cooking tell me what was funny about it on average how many times a month does your wife give your house a real good cleaning so apparently men don't have a personality you're all the questions are based on whether or not the wife cooks and cleans (laughs) <sighs> also, like your newlyweds, like get to work, honey. You know, Ugh, get to it. Yeah, I mean, doesn't that just sound like the most fun at home game to play with you and your neighbors? Is just everyone analyzing your wife's or your, if you are the wife, uh, ability to cook, clean, and thing is that that still came
1: across as very lighthearted and it was a funny show, right?
0: Oh, the show itself. I have to say has some good humor in it. I don't think it's intentional. Yeah. <laughs>
1: what you see as humorous now might not be what was considered humorous then. Yeah. You I know. i be Honestly, laughing at the jokes that were real hits back then.
0: Yeah. It is it is a feast for the eyes, especially watching it. Like like they said, when they first debuted, it was in black and white. The hair, so tall. Some of them truly are just these like baby faced kids. And I and I, you know. I would certainly not want to be assessed in my ability to cook and clean in my early 20s. I mean, even in modern day <laughs> times, but especially if I was supposed to play housewife then. That right. seems that seems a bit unfair. Uh- <laughs> Uh, but even as the time moves, I think, I would imagine that if I were to watch full episodes, if anyone were to watch full episodes of like the later editions in the 80s and whatnot, it seems to skew away from cooking and cleaning. And and honestly, the game show itself, there are questions like, what color is your front door? You know, it's not, yeah. it wasn't the one... them grilling them about like, but tell me how your wife cooks.
1: Yeah, no the one what I saw or what I um when we were playing in Cove Haven Resorts, um, uh, they I'm a jealous you wasn't like been that there. At all. I it was seriously, like,
0: that is a that's part of my like pop culture.
1: Yeah, you know, it would be like, what's your husband's favorite shirt? His own favorite shirt, you know, just like mm-hmm. knowing your your husband, and same for for the wife. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Or What's I, his I pet I, peeve?
0: What would he say his pet peeve is about oh. that that you do? Um, I enjoy the company of the people I live with, and I and and I can't say knock on wood. I you know tomorrow will be like a hellacious day, but I think for the most part they're good ones. I'm glad I live with them, especially during a, a quarantine. So our next segment, what's love got to do with it? We have an interview with David Yontef, a delightful man. Oh my goodness. And he is like, you, he is just so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Snappy. Snappy. No, no, no. Like I was, um, I know I, I, you know, I I wonder, I wonder if he is a Virgo. Oh yeah. Super organized. Very organized. Um, I feel like the interview went like clockwork. We had never met him, but perhaps... I don't know. It felt as though we had a good rapport, but he, his his whole job... So, he's a reality uh, TV personality who uh, was on Millionaire Matchmaker in, like, 2010, I want to say. Um, and... Now he has a podcast called Behind the Velvet Rope and it's interviews and he does it. It's a full-time job now. He's five days a week, right? And he was like working mm-hmm. on a book, he'll tell you all about it in the interview, but he is a he has a schedule, he sticks to it. And I mean, obviously, you know, for his job, he interviews people all the time, so I'm not surprised that he's a great interviewer or interviewee, interviewee to us, but interviewee, we were the interviewers. Uh but it was um I mean, he's just, he, I, I'm like, can you come help manage my life and my projects? Cause he just, he has a schedule and he's on it. And which was, I was impressed. I was, that has nothing to do with really his bio, but just that was a personality tidbit I found of his really intriguing.
1: Yeah. He's definitely got it together. I
0: think
1: All right. Well, we shouldn't ask. Are there him. other astrological a, signs that are as organized? I don't know of any other signs. Yeah. I'm sure there are. I don't know of any other signs that are so you know that that so dominates their characteristics other than virgos. Mm-hmm. Hey, you Maybe know, it's like his we can still be messy. We can still be messy.
0: Perhaps, but I, all of you virgos that I know actually I had a, a socially distanced dinner with my cousin tonight. She's she is a Virgo and she's also like truly like on top of her top of her game. Okay, enough about virgos. Let's get to it.
1: Without further delay, David Yantev from the incredible podcast, Behind the Velvet Rope. So this is exciting getting to talk with you. I mean, we're such podcast newbies. Yeah. You're a seasoned pro. Tell us about it. Yeah, please.
2: So, well, my show, listen, I started my show. Well, the, the genesis for my show is I became friendly with a lot of these bravo celebrities in real life you know, I live in New York. So that certainly helps matters in the sense that you have like the New Jersey housewives, and summer house, and you have camp getaway and the New York housewives. So I have a lot like at my fingertips. And I was just one day, like, I don't know why people are talking about these people all day and night, when I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go and meet them and just become friendly with them. And that was the process, but it happens. And then once it happens, I'm like, you know, there's got to be a business here somehow. I don't know what it is. And then the more I realize it, the more I'm like these stories of just hanging out with these people, literally like when the cameras are not rolling, there's a lot that happens. It's like watching the show and being in the show, but behind Mm -hmm. the scenes. And like, of course, if like stuff is really confidential, you know, you're not going to talk about it when you're like, that's going to happen in seven seasons from now or whatever, like, all right. But there was enough like fun stories of like, who's having another drink, who's leaving with a stranger tonight, who's doing this. So I'm like, there's enough here that I could talk about without getting in trouble and still being given access on a daily basis. So I'm like, I don't know if this is anything, but let me just try this in a podcast format. So I started, my first show was about me being in Florida with Ramona, Kelly Dodd, and Dolores Catania. There was an appearance and I went and we all had a dinner afterwards. I mean, how do you think a dinner with Ramona and Dolores and Kelly and Rick Leventhal was there. So I started my show to be like, I want to talk about these stories. And right away people were like, do these things really happen? And I'm like, they're all true stories. Like <laughs> if I couldn't make this up, I would be in Hollywood writing a motion picture at this point in my life. So that's kind of how my podcast started. And then it kind of took off. I knew a lot of these people and it really has turned into like an interview show where like people are contacting me to come on. Like I have a wait list now And so my show has really gone to like five days a week and it's turned into like just me interviewing all these people from Bravo and some other reality shows too. We're not just Bravo. So that's kind of what it's turned into. Yeah.
1: Has Bravo started to support you? I apologize
0: if I should know that already.
2: Me. I mean, define the word support. Define the <laughs> word support.
0: Morally, financially. <laughs> yeah.
2: Bravo. Well,
1: support David.
2: <laughs> seriously. Well, they're certainly not supporting me financially. That would be very nice if they would. Um, I have a Patreon account, so that supports me a little bit financially now. But- You know, I think they're aware of me, you know, like, listen, some weeks I have lots of guests that say lots of happy things and fun things and there's no drama. And then other times I just have guests where I'm just like, oh my God. But I mean, I'm not going to stop someone from talking or telling their truth. But there are weeks where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get a phone call from Bravo, which has never really happened yet. But my show gets a lot of press. So there's a lot of people that come on that say a bunch of things and then it's all over the press. And I'm just like my thing is the same every time. I didn't say it. Like, really, I I did not say this. I did not comment on it. And so I feel like, but that's kind of how I like to run my show. My thing is like, I'm just here to interview someone and get their truth out there. And then it's really up for the listener to decide, like, is this person full of crap? Are they telling the truth? it's not like I believe everything everyone says on my show either, but I feel like that's not really my place to comment or decide. It's kind of like the listener's Mm -hmm. decision to like take away what they want. But I do have to say, there's a lot of people that come on my show that at the end will say like, thank you for letting me tell my story or my truth. And I'm like, that's really what it's there for. Cause I think everyone like, listen, I think it's that age old saying like there's this side and there's that side and the truth is somewhere in the middle. I believe that. And like, all of these situations, even like Brandy and Denise. Like, I don't think it's that clear cut. There's probably a middle truth somewhere in there. So Mm. I just believe that for like everything. So, I mean, if you want to come on and tell your truth, I feel like that's a great platform that I can provide.
1: So you've created a platform that obviously we know these shows are edited to a certain degree and you never know how you're going to be presented, right? So you've created a platform for someone to be able to share their side of the story. That seems really great and important, you know? Yeah, and I mean mean, whether they're going to be honest or not—that's not really (laughs) your problem, right? They—they have a a place to say what they wanted to say about it,
2: right? And that's the thing, you know. Like I'm well aware that like a lot of people maybe are not on the show anymore, or they were a smaller character. They want to be in the press. They are want their 15 minutes. So I get it. I get how it works. But at the same time, I just feel like it's not my doing to like silence someone. And, you know, because a lot of people at the end really are, I mean, I've had people cry on my show. Mm -hmm. Like it really, so you start to think there's really two sides to every story, you know? Or three sides. Yeah. Or three sides. (laughs) And just because it may not fit into like a certain edit, it's, there's probably a lot of truth in what this person is saying.
0: That's a good segue. I have a question for you. I watched your episode of Millionaire Matchmaker. And oh, so you, did you? you've been on the receiving end of an edited version of reality for, you know, the sake of a narrative. What was that like for you? And like, how does that maybe offer you some empathy for all the individuals that you're interviewing, Bravo, celebrities, and otherwise?
2: I mean, I definitely think I have an understanding of how it works. Like, it really is true that you film so much footage for a one hour. Show there's so much, and you just don't know. So the thing is, like, it is reality. I mean, it really is. Like, there's nothing that I saw that was on Millionaire Matchmaker. I was like, what? I mean, I, I was me. I was physically awake and aware of what's <laughs> happening. You're just like, oh. And then when it's up there, like, well, I see it. Like, I get how this is the edit. So you're mm-hmm. not like. What it's it's a this weird out of body experience where you're like it is all true, but you understand how this was now edited together to make a story. And so, like, I think it does give me like an understanding and like a sympathy of you know what people are going through. And the thing is also like, listen, I mean, everyone is just different every minute of the day. So you just have moments where you're like. It really is, I mean, this was why I think reality TV does work because you really are just exhausted after filming for hours and days. And that you, because you're always like, well, how did this person say this? And knowing they were on TV, like you do, because it just, you just don't care. You're just like, I'm so exhausted. Like I I can't be worried about cameras and everyone else. Like I just have to focus on who's across from me. Mm -hmm. But I, I think it gives me a good understanding of like what people are going through.
1: But people, things are also taken out of context, though, right? I mean, sort of edited and pieced together in a way that might eliminate some things that led to certain scenarios.
2: Yeah, but like the story isn't really changed. Like yeah. when I got my edit on Millionaire Matchmaker, it wasn't like, oh, okay, this is such a far stretch. <laughs> okay. Like, how do they come up with all this? Mm. I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense now. Mm-hmm. Like, right. yeah, certain things could be left out or pieced together, but it's still, it makes sense. Yeah, It's just maybe like a heightened version of yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Got it.
2: Which Did, makes did Patty wind
0: up making a match for you? I know not on that episode, but in general.
2: No, and it's so funny. So I have this full circle with Patty because we – lost touch and I would say didn't speak for, I mean, that was, first of all, that was 2010.
0: Yeah, it was a while so ago.
2: It was a long time ago and we have not spoken, but you know, this quarantine and Corona has really done strange things for the world, hasn't it? And <laughs> yeah. Patty and I have come together, I mean, not physically, but we have come, <laughs> we have reconnected in this quarantine Corona. I speak to Patty quite often now. Wow. Yes. Isn't that, it's just strange that like a full circle, like 10 years later, wow. it just kind of happens. It's just one of those things, you know? And it's so funny because now it's not like I'm like, a ma- I mean, she has a real business. Like she yeah. has like the Millionaire's Club is open. And I mean, I'm no member of anything, but now that we're kind of friends and we talk all the time, it's so funny because like I kind of threw it out there the other day, very passive aggressively. I will admit it to her, like... I mean, we're friends, so can't you just, like, throw me one here? And, like, (laughs) what are you doing at home all day? Like, I know you're running a real business, but can't you just find me someone? (laughs) She don't really seem to – I think I need to be more aggressive in asking and making it clear what I was asking her. But
1: I was going to ask if that meant that there was something exciting in your future we could count on.
2: No. I mean, like, listen, I think that she's the type that, like, she'll fix, like, friends up. So I think, like, if, like, someone came across her, her – Path, she would be like, "Oh my god, I have someone for you now that we're reconnected," but she didn't understand my like very passively aggressively being like, "Can't you just do this for me on the side?" You need to be more assertive, seriously. But I mean, she has a real business, and it's still, yeah. you know, I think it's thriving during COVID. It's just like because I, I think people are still dating really mm-hmm. actively. It's just the format of dating has changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, certainly.
1: I have a friend who whose name I will not mention who's having. Quite a successful little flirtation right now through this pandemic. That's great. Let's that's
0: see. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I do know some some people who've been quite successful in in dating, yeah. but it's a it's a whole nother. Who? It's a it's a whole new kind of commitment, even to be casual.
1: I know that's the thing that that really you know is so wild. Like how it's there's so, everyone's going through so much and is so alone. You know, well, it, not everybody. Some some people are surrounded whether they like it or not by too many people, but you're kind of stuck in one space. And I feel like it'd be hard not to share a lot of that feeling with someone. But that's why
2: like, I felt like it could work because like you have in a way like we're busier than ever, but like in a way we have more time on our hands. It's like this weird, like, I don't know. I think it could be a good, like at the beginning of quarantine, I was like, okay, I need to make this a priority. And that lasted for like a week and a half, maybe three weeks. And then I just got sucked into my podcast and work. And now I'm like, it's just like life, like any other time. But in the beginning, I was like, this is such a good time. Like, I'm going to focus on this. This is like, and now I'm just like, oh yeah, that was a great idea in March. And now it's (laughs) going to be September.
0: Well, life has to continue, right? You know, and, and thank goodness you are focusing on your podcasts five days a week. Clearly, people people
2: want the content. So
0: <laughs> your listeners thank you for being so dedicated.
2: It's like, I swear, my listeners and they do appreciate it. But some days I'm just like, does everyone realize like five days a week is not, I think a lot of people that don't have a podcast think that all we do is just turn on a mic and say,
0: Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I was, well, I
1: was thinking right away. How the hell do you do that?
2: Yeah. Every little thing takes a long time, right? Yeah. So
0: yes. long. Mm-hmm. And
2: listening back and like, you're just, it, there's a lot going on. Yeah.
0: David, you have a book, right?
2: I do. So I have a book that is written per se Another product of COVID, like I've been talking about writing a book forever, probably like years and years, and I wrote it in the beginning of COVID. You know, I've said this before. Everyone says writing a book is so hard. I'm not saying writing a book is easy at all. It was not easy. It was not even so fun. It had moments of being fun, but it was like, I have to say, I think the hard thing about writing a book is once the book is written, getting it out. Because Mm -hmm. I just thought like, you know, early... I had a meeting last week with all with my book team, and they're like, "You think this book is coming out in COVID in like January? Are you insane?" So I I have written a book. I've realized that publishing and getting a book out during COVID is a slower process than I thought it was. It's probably going to come out like a year from now. It's really—I don't know what the title's going to be. We have ideas, but it's really about going from a fan to a friend. It's Mm -hmm. a lot of my stories are peppered in there. Things like that I've never talked about on air before just, you know, like hanging out with these Bravo people. So there is juice in there, but it really is a how to book of like, if you read this book and you follow it, you too can become best friends with, you know, Countess Loanne or Giselle Bryant or whoever you would like. You just need to follow this book. And then it does take it a step further of how like in the end, it's more of like a business book of like how to go from like a friend to like running a successful podcast kind of a little bit of thing but it's really a how-to book. But it really does work. It's just it's a process, man.
0: Well, you put a that's, lot of work into very this. interesting.
1: Yeah. A lot of work.
2: It'll be out. Yeah. I mean, like it wasn't, I think I said to someone on my team, which they will never let me live down. They're like, you basically told us that writing this book is one of the most miserable experiences of your life. And I'm like, <laughs> did I really say that? And I'm like, I didn't mean it like that, but it's just, you know what it is for me? It was that I stuck to it and there was a schedule in it, which involved every day and you just have moments where you're like, I just don't want to talk about myself today. Like, I just don't want to focus on myself. I don't want to look in. I don't want to recall this story and I was very methodical. Like, I don't know how everyone writes a book. I was really methodical in that I wanted to go in order. So if it was a chapter on whatever and I'm like, I don't feel like talking about this or writing this today, I would still do it because I wanted to stay in order and you just had days where you're like, Like, would you want to wake up and relive all your memories of everything every day?
1: And also, you have to give yourself credit. It was an incredibly hard time to wake up every day and do something like that. I mean, I know a lot of people who are like, I can't do anything, you know,
2: at all. And we, and when I say wake up, we had, it was, I mean, I was crazy. We had, it was 6 a.m. Yeah. 6 a.m. That that was the only time that I had in my schedule to deal with this. And so I made everyone involved. Meet me at six a.m. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I hope they were all on the East Coast.
2: <laughs> they they were. They, they were all on the East Coast. <laughs> they were. And it started at 10 a.m. and then I was just like, this doesn't work. And it just it was yeah, yeah. We're all still speaking, so that's good, good news. Good. <laughs> there is good news in that. You know, I feel like it kinda helped me get through in the yeah. beginning. You know, because I, I, listen, I understand the alternative and I wanted to go there at times and just be like, today is just going to be my TV and sleep day. And I, <laughs> like, I, I get it. But I was like, I just was like, if I fall into this, I don't think I'm going to come out of it for a long time.
0: I get that. And, and so and they say that the routine is um, some of the most like basic aspects of routine: waking up at the same time, you know, getting up, brushing your teeth, getting dressed. I think actually getting dressed might be the hardest part for so many people in quarantine. <laughs> but you know, just maintaining that routine and continuing. I mean, even with from the creative process. I don't know if you ever read like Anne Lamont, the book Bird by Bird, but it's a book about writing, and she talks about just like creating a practice where every day you are writing whether you want to be or not. And I mean, it sounds like you were definitely like kind of pushing yourself. Um, and thankful you had that team too, to help you, you know, move forward. But obviously it's paid off that you've, it sounds like the book is finished.
2: The book technically is finished. Like it's almost like finished in the sense that it needs to be edited because it's too long, but that was purposeful. Like to me, of like, let's just lay it all out there mm-hmm. and figure out how to get this because that because that's when you then start dealing with the professionals and they know like oh like well that's the other thing I'm learning a lot like oh a book of this nature a how to book this is the average amount of pages it should be mm-hmm. well okay I knew this book was too long I didn't realize it was that much too long so <laughs> it's like now that there's all these people involved you you're, I mean I, I'm I'm learning a lot but it's like okay we have to edit this down but it is technically finished but that's the other thing about a routine. You know, like in the beginning of COVID, I think once we got used to what was going on in the world, if you realized and really thought about it, like, look, we we all have homes. Some homes are nicer than others. Some are bigger than others, but we are all safe in our homes for the most part. So that's when it's kind of like, it hit me of like the difference of who's going to make it through COVID. It's, there's nothing physical. It's all in our minds. And it's like, I get it. Don't get me wrong. I get how you could have lost your mind. I, I get it. Like that's, but it was just one of these. Like I better get my crap together really quickly in the beginning and have a schedule. And so, like I, I agree with that whole thing of like having a schedule and like pretending like to the, you know, the book time was the book time. It literally was every day. We missed one day because one person on the team was like deathly ill. And I was like, mm. okay, so we're going to work on Saturday because we missed Thursday. So how are we making That's in It also, I also had a calendar. So like once we put it down and there was a calendar of like, this needs to be done by this date, then I was like, Oh my God, we're going to fall behind. Let's go, let's go, let's go. So I think like it just, you could, I could see why people could have lost their minds during this. Cause like, why not just sleep all day? And I don't, I'm not criticizing anyone who did. I just was like, I'm not going to do this and I'm just going to keep my mind sane. And so like, I think all these things really helped. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I think that's great. I mean, I think that, you know, some people did a mix of all those things and lost their mind for a few days and then got it together and came through and managed to pull off some projects. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's great. I think it's very smart to set up a schedule and stick to it. And I'm. Not, I was very surprised because I thought your book was already ready to come out, and I couldn't believe that you had done it that quickly. It seems <laughs> like it seems perfectly reasonable that it would come out later on.
2: Now I'm like, oh, it takes this long to actually <laughs> yeah. like. My publisher was like, you don't understand. Even if it's ready to go today, like the physical process of the publishing takes this many months, and it's COVID. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah. I better slow my speech about having the book down now because. But it is written, so that's it's good. I, yes. I think it's good. I think it's – it's, and I'm not just saying that. I think it really is a how-to book. It's There's a lot of information in there.
0: Well, and you have well, such a unique experience, multiple unique experiences. And so I think that really draws the reader in. You have a, a audience for that. And I have to say, perhaps it's a good thing that the book isn't ready to hit the shelves yet because – hopefully by the time it's ready to go, maybe we will be able to do more things in person and you can actually do like a book tour and all that kind of fun stuff.
2: I've already said that, like in a way, I almost don't want it to come out before the world opens up. I mean, we'll see how it works, but I have my visions. I don't want to get into it, but I have visions of a book tour that will involve, you know, maybe some familiar faces that we all know. Ooh, special guests. <laughs> special <laughs> guests. So I have some ideas of what that would look like. And, you know, it would just be great if, right, if that happens more when the world opened. And hopefully that will all be around at the same time.
0: Yeah. Do you have a favorite reality show?
2: It. Changes. I mean, so the thing is, I've been into reality TV, like right from the beginning, if I was really to think about it, I would say I'm Bravo, probably the Real Housewives of New York, just because I'm from New York, and that's what I know. But overall, the hills, the simple life, I go old school. <laughs> the hills is one. I mean, and I, I mean, like, when I say the hills, I mean, like, Laguna Beach, the hills, the city and the hills, new beginnings. Let's just include all four of them. <laughs> There's nothing better. I mean, of the moment, I'm obsessed with selling Sunset on Netflix. Obsessed. So it's like shocking. I have a podcast that's like 90% Bravo. And really, some of my favorite shows are not Bravo. But I would say The Hills is probably my answer. Wow. Simple life. Yeah. You didn't see that one.
0: Uh, yeah. well, I didn't see it coming. I have seen it.
2: I <laughs> um, didn't see it coming.
0: I, I, oh my gosh, do they have a simple life on reruns? Is that syndicated? Can I watch that? That, oh gosh, you're taking so. me down memory lane. That's a classic. Yeah, oh, for yeah. sure.
2: And, you know, and whether it was scripted or how much, that's, do, do we really care? You know what I mean? Like, do no, we really it's care? It's
1: entertainment, right? It's entertainment.
0: We were there for the spectacle regardless.
1: What was the yeah. one that we just watched, Kim? The one where everybody got married? Love is blind. Love is blind. You know, Did I've you never. That?
2: No, was it great?
1: I loved it. Everyone
2: yeah. is like telling me I need to watch that, and I don't watch like Love After Lockup or whatever, and I don't watch Ninety Day Fiance. Not,
0: neither do was, I. Uh, yeah, but this I found different. it. It was it really grabbed me, and I also really enjoyed Indian Matchmaker. I just watched that one as well. It
2: was a good, someone else just told me it was great.
0: Really, it's, I mean, it's a very uh, different, like, cultural perspective. Um, And there's a, there's a lot, I mean, it's definitely different than Millionaire Matchmaker. I'll put it that way. But it does speak to how, like, culturally, matchmaking has been around for so long. It really is a business that people still utilize. Sure.
2: You know what you need to watch also is on Netflix is it's only two seasons, but there are only six episodes each is dating around. I just watched it. It's like... Different people go on dates. So like they have like a lead dater and they will go on, I don't know, maybe like six dates, but it's it's hard to explain. It's not it's six continuous dates. So like it starts with like at the bar, then they have dinner, then they have after dinner. So like at the bar, and it's not like a guy. It's like a guy meeting girls, girls meeting a guy. Well, oh, I've watched this. I love this show. It's a great show. And then they have like there's like lesbian gay bisexual so it's like elderly you know, right there's an elderly right but it's like it's so well done in that like you're in the middle of a conversation at dinner with one person you put your drink down and then when you pick it up it's a different person oh, so it's wow. like it's like the same people that you already know from the beginning of the date but you're literally trying to guess who they're gonna choose for the second date Ooh, it's I like really this. it's really well done right and then there's like all of a sudden you're watching and that week the like bachelor is like literally, like 75 or 80 years old. So it's really, it's not just like young, hot singles. It's like a great cross section. It's really good.
1: I was actually going to mention that one. It's so funny that you brought it up, but I couldn't remember what the name of it is. That one is spectacular. And the editing is really incredible because yes, it's the same person dating multiple people, right? And they will just put down a drink or they'll enter the same restaurant with a different person. And it's really, really well done. Yeah. Thoughtful.
2: Yeah. So like they all start at the bar. So like all six people are there and they all go to dinner and then like they don't all end up at the after dinner. Like that's just like for maybe like four, like two are eliminated. But it's so interesting because like you just can't tell. Sometimes you can tell and other times you're like, I did not see that person being the one to get the second date. Mm. It's good.
0: I will cue that up.
2: It's, It's interesting because Mariona and I have talked
0: about this, that romance isn't always a genre that I lean towards, but because we have a podcast about love, I find myself reading more books about love and like trying to like search out more news items. And certainly even on Netflix being like, you know what, let's try out this, you know, reality show about love or a rom-com or whatever might be kind of like trending that I wouldn't usually watch. And, um, it's, much better than you know like mentally, emotionally than some of the other heavier stuff that we tend to this one is, I, I, I think personally you're gonna tend like. to gravitate towards I love it i' i'm I'm already sold based on even just the excitement of both of
2: you talking about it I mean, and let me tell you this, it was so well done that I actually had to google whether it was a reality show, like I actually oh. wasn't even sure it was a reality show. I thought maybe it was like scripted and it was all actors try and then they were pretending it was a reality show. That's what I thought at one point from watching it, but it is a reality show. But it's so well done that like, I didn't even think it was, if that makes yeah. any sense yeah. Very cool. as like a compliment. Like I thought it was actors pretending that it was a reality show, but it really is a reality show. I'm like, Oh, that's interesting.
0: David, I have one last question for you.
2: Yes. Uh,
0: before we wrap up, tell me, do you have a favorite love story? It can be like real, fictional, personal, from reality television or otherwise.
2: You know where my mind goes? I mean, as far as I would say pretty woman. <gasps> <Yes.
0: laughs> That's that's just, you know, like,
2: you know those questions where you're like, don't overthink the answer. That's Mm -hmm. just, that's my, that's, that's where it goes. I mean, I would have to agree with you. It's pretty
0: spectacular. I love that. Good answer. Yeah. Right. Right. And like,
2: I saw the play, I had a friend who was, I had two friends who were in the play on Broadway. So I saw the play version as well. It just is like, who doesn't want, like, that's typical fairy tale. Mm -hmm. Who doesn't want to be poor and broke and meet the cute guy who just happens to have a shitload of money and you're actually in love with him and he's in love with you like yeah richard Gere. Hmm. For, like what more do you want you get looks love and money like and she's a mean, solid best friend yeah like i mean so m- my friend played kit in the broadway play but like who wouldn't want all that just kind of and i'm kind of like a fan of the rom-com, you know? I don't mind the cheesy rom-com. I can't think of any lately that i've really been like that was such a great movie. Like of the I late- liked Palm
1: Springs that was just on Hulu. I was don't
2: it good? know. Saw it? Yeah, it no. was really good.
1: It was the best the best thing that i've seen in a while. It's kind of like a modern day groundhog's day, yes. but very fun and yeah. i liked it a lot. Likewise. I'll have to add that one. But nothing yeah. as good as Pretty Woman. I mean, that's really, that's it's a
2: classic. Like, <laughs> like I love The Wedding Singer. But I mean, like a lot of this thing gets into like, I love Drew Barrymore. And, but like, sure. Pretty Woman is just a classic. I mean, how could you not love that as a love story? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Right? I agree. I'm glad you guys approved. Oh, oh my
1: God. Well, there's a fucking Rella.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's your favorite. We're not here to yuck your yum. Like you like it, you like it. But I, we also agree very heartily with your, with your choice there. <laughs> yeah, I can That's watch good. that movie. I can watch it anytime. Anytime. I, I might need to watch that this week now. <laughs> Seriously. <sighs> David, thank you so much. This was such a fun interview. Anytime.
2: I mean, you guys can ask me anything. And, you know, again, if like people want to hear interviews with mostly Bravo celebrities, but reality stars, they can check out my behind the velvet rope podcast. That's where the name comes from. It comes because I was friends with these people, you know, but it's not in an exclusive way because I mean, I think that's why my interviews work too on my show is because I went from a fan to a friend, but yet I'm still, a fan and so like when I interview these people I'm thinking like a fan and I'm cutting through all the bullshit and I'm like I don't really care about the questions I'm supposed to ask like I need to like I'm in the mindset of like this is really what the people want to know so we're not going to ask these 13 questions whichever one else asks we're going to like you know and they're not even all controversial it's just some of them are innocent but I'm like this is what the people really want to know so I think that's why my interviews on my behind the velvet row podcast work
0: I think they do too. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank we you really so much. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. Chat again sometime. I'll come yes. back
2: on anytime. You guys are amazing.
0: Oh, thank, thank you. you. You are too. Continue <laughs> to stay sane during quarantine. I love the schedule routine. Um, you're an inspiration. It's, it's still
2: going. It's still <laughs> and going. And we'll look forward
0: to your book. Yes.
2: It's going to come out. We'll keep in touch. I'll be back before a year.
0: Yeah. Sure. Yes. And we will. And we will, when you do that book tour, we will be there.
2: I (laughs) love it. I love it. I need all the people to buy this book that are out there listening.
0: Certainly.
2: So that's awesome. Count
0: for two books from us and then listeners.
2: Yeah. Listeners,
0: get on board. And everyone listen to my
2: podcast, please.
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) We will. We will continue to share your podcast.
2: Thank you. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, David. Take care. You guys are the best.
2: All right. Keep in touch. Okay. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. So that was fun. That was so good.
0: Yeah, David, thank you.
1: Thank you, David. We really enjoyed that. I, I feel like I have to do research now because I don't know enough about Bravo.
0: Yeah. And if you guys, if you listeners, you do know about Bravo, you know, go listen to his podcast because you are going to know all the people that he's interviewing because he really does. It's like a who's who's list of, of Bravo liberties. Certainly. Do it. Marion. Yes. What are you crushing on?
1: I am crushing on my um, freshly-digged-out-of-an-old-box 1964 Playboy magazine, which is incredible to look at. It's an incredible, it's an incredible time capsule and um, has some very
0: interesting content. Um, and Kim, what are you crushing on? I'm feeling a little put on the spot because I all week long was like, Oh, Kim, this, this is what you're crushing on. We're like, Ooh, Ooh, what about this? So which are kind of nice. If you think about it, it doesn't really help me in this very moment, but it's kind of nice to, to know all week long. I've been reflecting on like positive little wins and things I wanted to share. That's I honestly, it, it is great. I, it makes terrible content in this podcast in the moment. Cause I can't remember a blessed thing, but I will just say one thing that was is generally bringing So joy. you're crushing
1: on what are you crushing on
0: basically? Yeah, I'm I'm like the just segments? thinking thinking about it and like being like oh these like lovely moments that I want to share with everybody. But if I have to actually give a real answer that's not like super meta like I love love um one of the things I am crushing on is I um from my kitchen you can see out my back door and into the backyard and framed within the window is um all of the sunflowers that are growing in my raised garden beds. And they're just really nice to look at. And the best part about these sunflowers is that I didn't plant them. That everything that I planted in my, in my garden bed, uh, was very intentional. Um, most of it's not doing super good. Like the perennial leather garden stuff is like, great. And I will not bore everyone with plant talk here, but the, um, sunflowers were just reseeded from the, sunflowers from last year and they're these beautiful like multicolored um sunflowers like each stock has many heads of sunflowers and they're like orange and yellow and just beautiful and I can see them and it brings me great joy and it's kind of like the a gift I feel like from last year where I the, and those fl- sunflowers weren't great so this year like they were like hey guess what I'm gonna, I'm gonna look extra pretty for you and you can see me when you're not even outside And they're tall, yeah. And they're tall, so like my neighbors can see them too, and I can see my neighbors' sunflowers from like a couple doors and like their from their backyard. And um, so I kind of I love that. I love this time of year when we actually have flowers that are blooming, and it's just some joy. I'm sure there's some sort of like poem about flowers and joy and blah blah blah. You can find it on your little like yogi tea bag. Sure. is that where they're all like the little sage sayings are that's what I'm crushing on sunflowers that's spectacular that's very nice thank you thanks for validating my last ditch attempt my sunflowers didn't come out very good but I'm sure yours are beautiful I'll, I'll save some send me, seeds. A picture. send me a picture I will well Kim it has been a pleasure as always yeah same Thank you for listening to my tale of the newlywed game. People, listen to the go find that YouTube, and uh, check out our Instagram if you haven't, and uh, maybe stop by our Patreon. Sure, you can like us on the Facebook, mm-hmm. review and, us on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, rate, review, and subscribe. Hey, mm-hmm. you tell that I'm shimming my shoulders as I say that. I can. Mm, I, I can bet tell. you can. I bet you can.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to give you a kiss. Good afternoon.
0: Sweet dreams. Good Sweet morning.
1: will be the same.
0: <laughs> Adieu to you. <laughs> and you, and you, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. You've heard from us, and we'd love to hear from you. Do you have a love story to share? Looking for some advice at the Love Variety? Reach out on email, morethanacrushpodcast at gmail.com, and find us on Instagram. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Special thank you to Natalie
1: Joachim, who composed our theme music. We're so appreciative, Natalie. Thank you. We love you.